nothing remains forever. I don't know about you, uh, but I've done some history and known that kingdoms of this world rise and fall. And because of this, something that I've always been struck by are the ancient wonders of the world. Uh, I bring them up here, and uh, you may have heard of some of them. Uh, You have the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, the Statue of Zeus, the Lighthouse in Alexandria, uh, a Temple, the Great Pyramids, Colossus at Rhodes, and a Mausoleum. Um, Incredible structures. And yet, over time, because of the way things change and that nothing remains forever, there's only one of these wonders of the world still remaining. And you may know that that is the pyramids in Egypt. It reminds us of different eras. What was it like when the pharaohs were ruling the world? What was it like when there was the Babylonian Empire and King Nebuchadnezzar? What was it like under Alexander the Great? A very different time. I had a chance to see one of the modern wonders of the world. Uh, went to Rome and saw the Colosseum. And I remember uh, being uh, amidst that structure, it truly was a wonder, uh, thinking of what it would have been like in the heyday. Uh, Something you should know about the Colosseum, it extended, you know, fully around. It was that tall. They had a tent over the top, and so some people think their dome is special because they have the retractable roof. Rome did that back in the day. Um, It was covered with marble and precious stones. Uh, Some say that the marble and precious stones were used on on building St. Peter's Cathedral. And while I was standing in the midst of that, I just imagined what the roar of the crowd might have felt like. Imagine what it would have been like to be in the midst of Rome and the Colosseum at that time. But I don't know what it's like. And no one does because that's a a kingdom that has fallen. And so uh, a very simple point, a point that uh, is maybe uh, something you knew already before you got here but needs to be called out is, The fact that no earthly kingdom remains forever. And when we consider our our current state of the United States of America, it's something that we should understand. Uh, Yes, uh, we've had a heyday maybe for a few hundred years. Um, Will it last? We don't know. In fact, it made me think in in 2,000, in 2,500 years, what are people going to remember of our country if it still is, uh, again, a world power? It, it made me think, will it be the Willis Tower? And they'll be like, that's a wonder. Uh, will it be Wrigley Field? I don't know. My money was actually on Disney World. I think, you know, in generations to come, they'll go to Disney World and be like, wow, this seems. But we don't know. Another thing we don't know is how long we will be a major world power. Now, hear me clearly. I love this country. (laughs) I I want to see it succeed. I I want us to be blessed by the Lord. Things I love about this country are are the ability to worship together as a church family in freedom. Um, We we don't fear attack right now. Our government lets us do this. How awesome. Uh, Right? What I love about this country is there are opportunities uh, different than other countries if you've ever been to India. Uh, There is order in this country superior to the order of some other countries. As we took a mission journey to Ukraine, if you've been to a third world country. So so I'd love to see that the United States is blessed. But I don't know. And maybe right now you're feeling the the fragility of an earthly kingdom. Maybe right now you're, you're feeling, wow, we are susceptible for anything to happen because we're just people. We're not in control. 
But maybe you're also asking, what could I do? Pastor, what can I do to make sure that uh, we have a great country? Well, to talk about that, I want to remind you, do you know you have a citizenship of two countries? You are, first of all, an American citizen, and so you have rights and responsibilities. And thank the Lord that we have that democratic process, that we can vote in and out of office those who we want, that we can write letters, that we can uh, follow through. Um, And so we have democracy. But you're not just a citizen of the United States, you're also a citizen of heaven. And that means you have the right and the responsibility to go to the Lord, to pray to Him and to hear His voice. And that's why we're starting this series called Talking Points. And our goal is that we would hear God's voice guiding us, God's voice directing us. And I wanted to welcome you. Maybe you're new to church. um, Maybe you're uh, new to Christianity. Uh, Most of all, we hope that you learn why we are so uh, amazed by Jesus and his love, uh, that truly there's no one like him. Uh, But we also hope that this series would be helpful to you. Uh, In fact, one of my uh, pastoral hearts for this series is I wanted to give you a transcendent perspective. I wanted to raise you above the issues of our time to get a a broader view. That if it was a football game, I want to put you in the Goodyear blimp so that you can get a better view of all that is going on. Because sometimes, you know what life reminds me of? I played football. And one of the directions was that you need to block until you hear the whistle. Keep going at it to hear the whistle. Keep going at it to hear the whistle. And I never had the ball. I was a blocker. And, and the thing you lose when you're blocking until the whistle is you don't know where the ball is. And there were certain times when I was blocking and blocking, and the running back was 50 yards in front of me, about to cross the, the, the finish line, across into the end zone, and I'm still blocking. And I think that's where a lot of us as Americans are. We're blocking and we're blocking and we're so cognizant of what's in front of us. And maybe we need to step out and find who's got the ball. Find out where he is and who wins in the end. And so that's my goal for this series. Not to get you in a different political party. Not to convince you who to vote for. I just want to give you perspective from the Goodyear blimp over who wins. So we turn to the Word of God and hear His voice. And talk about perspective. Here's just one perspective He gives us. That the grass withers, the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them, and surely people are grass. The grass withers and flowers fall, but the Word of our God endures forever. The Word that is shaping the kingdom of heaven has remained People will come and go, political parties will come and go, presidents will come and go, but the King of Kings will remain above it all for eternity. And so I'm so excited to get into God's Word. We're going to take a look at Isaiah chapter 40, and because we hear the voice of our King as we read the Word, can I invite you to please stand in honor of that Word? We have selected verses of Isaiah chapter 40, a magnificent uh, chapter of the Bible. Uh, Many times, if you grew up in church, it was used in Advent as we heard of the coming of Jesus. Uh, But there's so much about God's authority uh, in Isaiah 40. It says, Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord? Instruct the Lord as his counselor. 
Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him all the nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. We'll talk about this. It's not that he doesn't care about the nations of the world. It's that he's standing so far above them that in comparison, they are nothing. To whom will you compare me? To who is my equal, says the Lord. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host, one by one, and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. His understanding no one can fathom. Powerful words. Are you in the good of your blimp yet? Could you just say out loud, God reigns? Amen and amen. Please be seated. Where are my movie buffs? Anyone really enjoy going to the movies, watching movies? That is me. My first job, Gail, was working at a movie theater, and so I had nothing better to do than get, watch free movies, right? And uh, because of that, I've done some uh, movie history, and uh, this is going to date me, but I believe that one of the greatest movies is one called uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Um, I'm just curious, how many of you have ever seen Dirty Rotten Scoundrels? Uh, the reason I love it is because Steve Martin, who you probably know from Father of the Bride and things of that matter, uh, I think he's at the height of his career in this movie. In, in fact, if you haven't seen him play Rupert and know about the cork on the fork, you have not lived and you have not laughed until you've seen Rupert. It is just amazing. Uh, but I want to give you a little bit of the plot of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Um, as the name implies, uh, these are the Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, these two gentlemen. And what they try to do is they try to swindle uh, poor Janet out of $50,000. Uh, and so they're going to do whatever they can, and whoever gets $50,000 first from Janet will win. Now, Steve Martin goes first, and he creates a story where he's a Navy veteran uh, who's in need of medical attention uh, that costs $50,000. And uh, he needs to go to a very specific doctor in order to get this cure, a uh, very unique ailment that he has from being in the Navy. Well, the other man hears of this, and, and, and he says that he's that doctor. <laughs> Clever, right? Um, and so what they try to convince uh, Janet is, uh, one, to, you have to pay me the 50000 and the doctor comes, no, you have to pay me the 50000 And as the story goes, neither of them end up with the $50,000 from Janet. In fact, spoiler alert, Janet gets $50,000. Janet tells a story, a very heartfelt one, and she swindles uh, the gentleman out of $50,000, and she is actually known then, revealed as what's called the jackal. Uh, she is actually the topmost swindler uh, out of all the swindlers, out of all the, the scoundrels, and, and what she proved is that and no matter the games they were playing, she was in control. Here's why I bring this up. There are people vying for power. There are people trying to get their way. People trying to make sure that they win in the end. 
And we have political powers that act like Steve Martin and the other. And yet there is Janet in the very middle. And you know who Janet is? It is God. And everything those political parties think that they are either getting away with, manipulating, or trying to do, Janet or God stands in control. He has the whole time, and he is aware of all that goes on. And that is what the Word of God reminds us of. In Psalm chapter 2, look what it says. The kings of the earth rise up, and the rulers band together against the Lord and His anointed one. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. And you know where we saw this? In the life of Jesus. On the day that Jesus died, Jesus brought before both Herod and Pontius Pilate. And Pontius Pilate probably thinks he's in control. As he appeases the crowd flogging Jesus, as he washes his hand that leads to the crucifixion, and yet God is in control the entire time. This was because of God's predestination and planning. That Jesus would be tortured in this way and die in this way to save the world as they were trying to manipulate the day and even the Jews, the powers that existed. God showed that he was in charge the entire time. And so here's the first takeaway. Political powers, all that exist, are merely puppets in God's string. And I'm not trying to bash political leaders. I really am not. I, I do believe they deserve our respect even if we don't agree with them or their lifestyle. The reason, though, I use the word puppets is because they stand so far above, God stands so far above them, that in regard to his power and his authority, there is no comparison. In fact, that's what we see in our lesson. So I want to tell you uh, what is so cool about going on in our lesson. Isaiah chapter 40 is where Isaiah is actually forecasting the future. And he's talking about a time when the kingdom of Israel will be in Babylonian captivity and then brought out of it because of God's control. In fact, in the book of Isaiah, he talks about how this will happen and through a man named Cyrus. Uh, so look at this. In Isaiah chapter 44, it talks about what's going to go on. Who says of Cyrus, God says this, that he is my shepherd. He's talking about the ruler of the Babylonian kingdom is a shepherd. Why? Because he will accomplish all that I please. He will say of Jerusalem, let it be rebuilt, and of the temple, let its foundations be laid. Now you can read about this in Nehemiah, how the ruler at the time allows God's people to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild and actually gives them their supplies. Can you imagine a world power letting the slaves go and funding them on their project? What's really interesting about Isaiah is that as he writes this, Cyrus isn't even born. So he's writing a name of someone who does not yet exist. Cyrus is about a hundred years at least in front of Isaiah on the, the timeline of history. And yet God had planned this all along. And so we go back to Isaiah chapter 40 where we're at and we see this, that surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket they are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. 
What's interesting here is that Lebanon is known for having cedar trees. When the temple of the Lord is built, they get trees from Lebanon. And what God is saying, I, I so rule above that Lebanon doesn't have enough to appease me. That's how far above I am. In fact, we knew God's uh, for, foreknowledge in the book of Daniel as well. In the book of Daniel, we see many of the world players uh, prophesied by our God. There is this vision that prophesies the Babylonian kingdom that Daniel is existing in, then the Persian Empire, the, the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire, and the Holy Roman Empire. God foretelled years of history. So God, he's in control. And at this point, you might be saying, well, thank you, Pastor, for a history lesson. And I hope you're taking notes because you will be tested on this on the way out. But you might be asking, well, what does that have to do with me? Well, I'm glad you asked. The first takeaway is this. Does God know who will be in the White House in 2021? Does he? Absolutely. Is that going to thwart his plans and purposes? Is he going to be unable to hold you in the palm of his hand because of who's reigning in the White House? Is he going to be unable to keep his promise and work all things for your good? Absolutely not. Be at peace, Christian. There's nothing that happens politically that can break the promises of our God and his care for his people. Absolutely nothing. Now what his plans and purposes are, that I don't know. Is it his plan that the United States of America would continue world dominance and, and be a superpower for all time? I don't know. In fact, I gathered with a group of other pastors. We have these things called circuit meetings. And we were just talking about how some Bible historians say a good persecution is actually good for the church. Do you know that? That actually Christianity thrives sometimes during persecution because it makes the Christians rise up and fight for something. In fact, what we see is that in times of peace, many times the times of peace and comfortability lead to apathy, lead to Christians being only in name followers of Jesus, but not really fighting the fight and not really walking with the Lord. So while God will be in control, is his plan always the prosperity of this nation? I don't know but he'll still love you. He's still got the ball in the end zone. But maybe more pressing than future concerns are, are the present realities. And presently, during this time, during this election month, I guess I just wanted to ask this question. Who do you put your hope in? Who is in, who's your hope in right now? And I need to remind you that if it is a person, if it is a president, if it is a political party, if it is a mom or dad, if it is yourself, that hope is shaky. And you're probably feeling it. Because there is no person on the planet who can do what only the king of kings can do. And so God says about our hope. 
Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save, but blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. And yet what I recognize, and, and maybe you're like me, is that it's so common to try to put my hope in something other than God. To think it'll all be okay as long as I'm strong enough. To think it'll all be okay as long as it goes my way or how I view the world. And today God is calling us to repent of all the times we've put our hope in other things than Him. To repent of all of our sins. And the great thing about having the King of Kings is what this King wants to do for you. This king comes to comfort you. This king comes to assure you that it's going to work out in the end. I love Isaiah 40 where it said this, Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for. Now this passage had double fulfillment. First it was talking about how the people would get out of Babylonian captivity. But more importantly, it was about his people getting out of the kingdom of sin and into the kingdom of righteousness, into the kingdom of heaven. And that God is working right now, I think, moving and shaking the world to call people out of spiritual slumber and to create new citizenship through the waters of baptism and the preaching of Jesus Christ so that people can know the true comfort, that their sins have been paid for, that they are redeemed. And that is your comfort. Your sins have been paid for, and you are redeemed. You have the right to be called a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Because of the blood shed for you, because of the waters of baptism, that kingdom, it will last forever and we will reign with him. Trust this, believe this, put your hope in this during these times. And I believe if you do, you'll have a different sense of peace than the rest of the world. But we got to dig in a little bit more about the superiority of Jesus. If we're in the Goodyear blimp, I need to point out a few more things. You know, it's interesting um, doing some study about presidents. Uh, do you remember uh, learning about the age the president has to be? Anyone know the age the president has to be? 35. 35. I remember learning that in high school, and I was an ambitious high schooler, and I'm like, well, I can't do the president track. That's going to take too long. <laughs> Pastor track it is. <laughs> Eight years versus, you know, however many of that would be. Um, and, um, and, and because of this, uh, that 35-year-old requirement, you know, many of our presidents were a little bit older. Our youngest president was actually uh, Theodore Roosevelt, 42 when he took office. You were probably thinking John F. Kennedy, right? Or Barack Obama. No, nope, President uh, Roosevelt, 42 years old. And do you know the average age of the president when they come into office is 55? And uh, do you know the respective ages of our current um, candidates, uh, 74 and 77. Now, I don't mean to pick on the candidates, but I do mean to make a point. As we age, are we able to do all the things that we did when we were younger? Absolutely not. In fact, though, what we saw even recently is that our president in charge did contract COVID and was sick. 
And what this means is that as people, and, and you experience this, not just as a president, but as a worker in any job, we have our good days and our bad days. We have days where we have the ability to be on and fire on all cylinders, and we have days that we're dragging and we are not firing on all cylinders, and this is the state of things. And that's the state of both past, present, and future presidents. They are susceptible to weakness. We, we saw that. They are susceptible to getting sick. They are susceptible to saying and doing the wrong thing. And this will always be the case no matter who the president is. But what about God? Is he susceptible to weakness? Is God worried about contracting COVID? Is he worried about his age? Maybe I'm too old to be God. No. And if that is the case, in the Goodyear blimp, what is he reminding us to do? To hope in the one who's not subject to weakness. That's the opportunity. Hope in the one not subject to weakness. Look what it said here. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. He doesn't age. In fact, his name was I am. I just exist the creator of the ends of the earth, and he will not grow tired or weary. How beautiful is this when it comes to the king of kings? You know, I remember when I was in one of my first leadership positions called parenthood, and uh, I was very subject to weakness. In fact, Bella was colicky. Anyone have a colicky baby? And and so I remember um, trying to stay strong for this kid. And parents uh, with, with good intention told us what to do. And you should, um, you know, take a car ride. And you should feed the baby. And you should burp the baby. And you should walk with the baby. And you should bounce the baby. And you should swing the baby. And we would do those 20 times and still crying. I remember uh, one night the, the swing was working. So the swing just stayed on. <laughs> I remember during this time, uh, the only thing that would soothe her is a sweet moment. Um, I don't know how musical preference this would be for you or not, um, but I would ballroom dance with Bella while listening to Josh Groban. Uh, That's what I was trying to do in order to soothe this little girl who was crying. But but a colicky baby tested my strength and, and my wife's strength for sure. It was then that we started drinking coffee, so I guess we should thank Bella for that. Does God need coffee? No, he doesn't, even though he might enjoy it. God has strength in every season. God is better than any power. He is the ruler over all. Uh, In fact, I love Psalm 121. Look at what it says. He will not let your foot slip. He watches over you, will not slumber. And he, indeed, he watches over Israel, will neither slumber nor sleep. Now, some of you might be saying, well, what about the times where it felt like my foot slipped? I got a couple reactions. Number one, Jesus Christ paid your eternal punishment on the cross. Number two, he's still working all things for your good. And so he will not slumber as he's watching over you. He's got you. But there's more from the Goodyear blimp. You know, it's interesting when we look at world leaders. If you've ever been in leadership, many times it's navigating gray areas. If things were black and white, leadership would be very easy. But many times it is navigating gray. In fact, have you ever made a decision where there was a good reason that you made it, but there was also a pitfall to that decision? 
that there was a strength to that decision, but there was obviously a weakness that goes with it. Isn't this leadership? There, there's a strength to a point of view, and there's a weakness to a point of view. And, and because this is the way of earthly leadership, um, I was doing some research over what some have said were uh, some of the worst leaders in our history. And I didn't want to make it current, so I went back. And um, the, the worst president that some say uh, was a man by the name of uh, James Buchanan. And he was one who um, was over the Dred Scott decision, um, which uh, went to the Supreme Court. Dred Scott was a slave, and, and he was one over it. And, and some say that because of his um, actions during the Dred Scott case and his inactions over the Southern Uprising, that the reason that uh, Abraham Lincoln took office and had to uh, deal with the Civil War was because of how bad James Buchanan was. People get it wrong. I think of Andrew Jackson. There was the Indian Removal Act. And this led to what some historians call the Trail of Tears. As Indians, Native Americans, the Cherokee Nation was moved from land to land, and many of them lost their life. They didn't integrate into the new area, uh, fought for the old area. And what seemed like a really wise decision, maybe historically, uh, not so much. This is true with leadership. Leaders err. They get it wrong. Not so with God. Look at these words. Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path to understanding? These rhetorical questions all have the same answer. No one. Because while presidents might need a cabinet, and it's good that they have one, while presidents might need advisors, uh, God needs none. He is right all the time, and he cannot get it wrong. And so it is our opportunity during this period to put our hope in the one with all wisdom. In fact, he gives us another picture. It's interesting that as, as people, we can name stars. I don't know if you've done this for a, a date or maybe you got engaged and here's your star or our star, right? Do you know how many stars there are? Scientists say trillions. So it's cute that you know the name of one star. <laughs> uh, but I want to show you what God is telling us. Lift up your eyes to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. What? It's one thing to know the star's name because you named it. It's another thing to create a star, and it's another thing to know the name of trillions of stars. How's the view from the Goodyear blimp? Our God is awesome. On the other side of this election, you will be okay. You will be loved and guided by the one who not only names the stars, but knows you by name and counts the hairs on your head. But you might ask this during this time, okay, pastor, I believe this, but what can I do? And I'm glad you asked that question. It's kind of like a, a Christian who knows that God is the provider, but then do you need to get a job? Yeah, you should get a job. Our God is the ruler over all, the King of kings, and he will be forever. 
as citizens of that heavenly kingdom, we recognize that and we will pray and we will rely on the Lord, but we will also remember our responsibility as citizens of this kingdom. And we will vote and we will pray for our leaders and we'll use a democratic process. And so what God is charging us, I think, is this, that hope, sorry, put your hope in the Lord, but also do your part. Put your hope in the Lord, but also do your part. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have been reigning and are reigning still. Lead us to put our hope in you and forgive us for the times and ways we struggle with worry or doubt because we have put our hope in humans. Bless our country. Put your hand of blessing on us that we might glorify you through praise and worship and seek your ways and will in this land. If we must suffer, strengthen your people to be lights for you and bless the leadership of this country. In Jesus' name, amen.